Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, Prince Devin. Just wanted to get ahead of a little kerfuffle that we, okay, I, made. So, this daddy, we name him Job, Job Avedon. And I picked that name because I said, well, if you want a bad biblical dad, you go with Job. And if we have any biblical scholars in the audience, you might know that Job super isn't a bad guy, completely innocent, and that's kind of the point, and you'd be correct. I was thinking a lot when I said that, because I'm very bad with names. Though in my defense, I think the name Job will come significant if we ever revisit this character and delve into his relationship with his Omega Daddy. So, enjoy the festivities. Scam likely, what are you doing here, you little scamp? Actually, I don't know. This bit doesn't have any legs. Scam likely away. Devin, what do you mean this bit doesn't have legs? This is our new recurring character, Scam Likely. <laughs> beloved show mascot that everyone loves and demands <laughs> merchandise of all the time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for the subject matter. <laughs> the only true bisexual representation. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Original Podcast. Do not steal. You you know what it is. We're almost he up to 50 episodes. You, you know the catch. You know the pitch of this podcast. And today we're covering another podcast, Dungeons and Daddies. And Dungeons and Daddies, every episode opens with a fun dad fact. A nice way to know a little bit more about the character. So in honor of that, I would like to start with a fun fact about our guest. And that is that this motherfucker wants to have sex with Jordan Peterson. That's so not true. And you said you weren't going to say that. Also, fuck you. Good <laughs> <laughs> fuck. This is slander. This is actually illegal. Um, there's so much I don't like about this moment in time. It's my least favorite. <laughs> um, this is not. Okay. Listen, his hair is nice. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> He's got nice hair, and that's hard to come by. <laughs> I feel like I just went through a whole journey in the last 60 Listen, seconds there. it was there. all lies. Just, like, imagine, like, psychedelic flashback. It wasn't real. You don't have to put any stock into it. The closest you came to rebuttaling was giving him a compliment. That's, that's, not... what, I'm, that's what I'm taking away I, from this. I don't know why I trusted you not to do that. Okay. <laughs> Um, I told that you was repeatedly. On me. This is how I would See, open when you this say episode. mean things to me, I think you're joking, and that's on me. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna say anything though because I'm a good person. Um, although the My Little Pony universe is filled with racism, in case you guys didn't know. Um, it's, it's, literally, it's literally not. It's literally not. It's, it really is, and it's one of um, yeah, someone's favorites. Not gonna say. <laughs> <It's fucking ludicrous. laughs> Every time we talk, I have to defend My Little Pony. I haven't watched that show in years. You can defend as many racial caste systems as you want. It's your podcast. Like it's there's not no a caste system. But you want to? <laughs> you want to do Michael no next? Like no one go for it. You cannot dig it. a deeper hole. It is not my fault. Why are there fucking... sky ponies and the... then land because ponies? Because they have wings. <laughs> because they can fucking fly. Feels, I didn't make them feels, have wings. That feels a little ableist, Devin. Um, but I understand. And if you're not ready to address that, we all have. I issues. fucking oh, are birds ableist because they have hollow bones for flight? I, I'm I'm willing to take that argument, actually. Fucking typical Anything liberals making bullshit arguments. <laughs> this is funny. 
I feel like this wasn't how we're supposed to start, <laughs> but okay. Oh, no, this is pretty clicked... much how it normally starts. Okay. Good. This is, you got it right. It's, it's Brilliant. like this. <laughs> I'm going to fucking introduce the podcast because I need one of us to have some goddamn integrity around here. My name is Amber Autumn. She, her. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's me, Prince Devin. Hi, I'm Hans. He, him. And this is original podcast, <laughs> Do Not Steal, the podcast in which once a week, Devin and I, and sometimes a third person as well, shitpost and scream at each other, apparently, um, and eventually get around to making an original character in some sort of um, uh, IP franchise concept dream idea. And, and, and this week, we're going to be doing a podcast about another pat- podcast, um, just to really go as far up our own asses as we possibly can. But like we're supposed to That's do like a like a sorry what sorry you just said as far as if you're gonna ask the kid I was like you mentioned my favorite hobby so I figured like I should okay never mind <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're funny yeah, uh, no, you're I'm a good not. guest glad we have you I think it's I think Devin it's your turn to ask a question yeah, a, a getting to, a, a parasocial be. getting to know you question but today we have a guest so to inculcate our guest to the audience hans what is something you think is underrated and something you think is overrated okay overrated easily this is this was the easy one to come up with um the entire field of philosophy because like i think and i have anxiety and i think a lot and i've never been paid for that and i think it's bullshit that other people can be paid for thinking you know what i mean like that's it's not fair and also, like, the most people, the people who started, right? Like, the first person was Socrates. He thought about, hey, I don't know anything. But I also had that thought because I have anxiety. So I feel like if I'm not being paid for it, like, then nobody should be paid for it. That's that's my hard line on philosophy. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. Philosophy majors are assholes. Mm-hmm. My, <laughs> my favorite professor is a philosophy major. And then Yeah, Jordan Peterson. No! Not that one! <laughs> a different you walked one. into it! I did it. There's this recent um Vlogbrothers video. Roll with me. Don't make fun of me. There's this recent Vlogbrothers video where they're doing like a question Tuesday thing with with John um and the what's something that's easier to easier to do than it is to say. Um and he goes rumination. It's not that difficult to say. It's just so easy to do. And I have been thinking about it every day mm. since that point. Cuz he's right. It's it's not that hard to say, but it's so easy to do. Okay, you have found the one singular good philosophy. I like that one. No more thinking, though, for anybody else. Like, we got to put a stop to it. We did. Yes, please. Thinking is canceled. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thought police, but for real. (laughs) It's the only type of good police I'll endorse. And for underrated, uh, this might be a little broad, but I also, um, the concept of vultures, because, like, I feel like they're disrespected, right? Like, I used to work at a zoo, and, like, there's just so many reasons to respect them. So, like, one... There is a type of vulture uh, called the bearded vulture, which if you haven't seen it, please look it up. It's beautiful. It looks exactly like a dinosaur. It's a height, like standing height is four feet and its wingspan is nine feet. And it is red, not like, it looks like it's covered in blood, but it actually just covers itself in really iron rich soil. And the prettier the soil, the more attractive the mate because it's like, it's like makeup. Like they're putting a lot of effort in. Um, 
And they eat exclusively bones, uh, almost exclusively bones, which is so metal. And then if you don't, if you can't respect them based on like their beauty and prowess there, you can fear them because when I worked at the zoo, uh, somebody walked into the vulture exhibit and scared the vultures and vultures, if you don't know, can projectile vomit up to 10 feet and their stomach acid can dissolve metal. So we had to get him a new shirt and also some burn care. Uh, but I think they're neat and very underrated. So like, what's her deal? Is she single or like, like? <laughs> vultures? <laughs> yeah, like no, like vultures as like a concept. Like, I think they're married to death. Like they just they chase it. Constantly. Oh, totally. Like, yeah, have... can't blame can't blame them for that one. You can beat the constant and comforting thought of that we're all going to meet our demise and then become part of the earth again. Then yeah, you might you might have a better chance. <laughs> Devin, do you have a question for us? No, because I only I only came prepared with the one for Hans, so I figured we can just jump straight into the other what it okay. do. Okay, this is great because I um am just having a a dog shit oh. time in general. Uh, but this week we're doing a podcast that Devin knows things about, so I get to like shunt the hard work off to him. <laughs> Outsource outsource effort when you're hit with depression it's, it's fine. we do that all the fucking time on this podcast it's actually very normal you can really tell how <laughs> depressed we are or not by how good the episode is i thought you were gonna say based on who's doing the episode i'm like that's really sad so, like, <laughs> when my favorite person is talking the other person's depressed that's tragic such is the nature of life <laughs> so dungeons <laughs> Sorry, I was just gonna be like, behind the bastards has to work the opposite because Robert's always the one talking. Um, but that's <laughs> they don't know about that's that. A... <laughs> he has to depress the guest. Oh, that's how you know it's a good episode. He when the guest around. leaves, going, Robert, I feel terrible. That's when you know it's a good behind the bastards. And he feels better. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a happiness leech. But anyways, Hans, you're the yes. guest for this episode. Do you want? me to do the talk do you want because we're both fairly familiar with dungeons mm -hmm. and daddies it's the podcast we oh talk my about. god my so life is so easy this episode i can start us with a basic if you want so dungeons and daddies is a dnd podcast and it's about four dads and their children who are on their way to a soccer game and get pulled into the forgotten realms which is a dnd world which i didn't know in case you didn't know these things the it's the canon dnd world it's lovely. I really like it. I thought they had made it up all by themselves when I first listened. I was very impressed. Um, and then I was less impressed. I do need to cut you off for a second, Hans, because they say it's the Forgotten Realms, but it is very much not. <laughs> oh no, conflicting information. What happened? <laughs> like, you listen to the... They go to Bullywogs, and there's the fucking UFC, and just, like... Because Dungeons & Daddies is a comedy real-play podcast, the world-building is the players will say dumb shit, and the DM Anthony will roll with the punches, and none of that exists in Forgotten Realms. It's just a little gentrification. Like, you just get a new... An orphan fighting league, you know? You get a new Starbucks. <laughs> like, these things change. Like, maybe it's just the evolution, you know? <laughs> I love the orphan fighting league. Yeah, it really raised the rent in the area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all these unfortunate children started punching each other in the middle of our bullywogs. Now my rents it was it was two shillings. Now it's a gold piece. Exactly. You know, none of, can't escape it. 
but the people, I guess, okay, so maybe it's not the real Forgotten Realms, but the people who go into the Forgotten Realms are Daryl Wilson, who's a stay-at-home soccer dad who becomes a barbarian. He has a kid named Grant, who is uh, equally closed off emotionally like his father, uh, but unlike his father, he plays video games and he's gay, so he's like, I like him more than his dad already. Then there's Henry Oak, who's a country munchy granola dad, who has uh, twin boys, Lark and Sparrow. They are filled with rage, but... They also hate authority, but they also have brotherly love, so complicated, good characters. There's Glenn Oak, who is a rock and roll dad, who becomes a bard, and has trouble communicating with his son, Nick, who has trauma, as all cool people do. He is one of the coolest sons. And then there's Ron Stampler, an emotionally detached uh, stepfather, and his son, Terry, who is just dealing with having a stepfather. And that's our cast. So, to be clear, those are all the in-canon, like, fictional characters that you've just gone over? Yes. Okay. Those are, those are the people we start with. Okay. And then we get some NPCs along the way. Okay. So, what distinguishes making a Dungeons & Daddies OC? I'm sorry, I just, like, tried to get through the title. Um, are, the, are they daddies? Are, like, I know they're fathers, but are they daddies, to be clear? That's a great moral question, and one. <laughs> I imagine it's the one Talk our audience about the BDSM is asking. Episode. So I said I hate philosophy, but like that's like that's like the question of like the podcast because when they enter the Forgotten Realms, um, their children disappear, and it's clear it becomes clear throughout the podcast that there is a purple force taking them, and every time they take the children, they remind the dads that you're not actually that great at being dads. And so that's kind of like the premise that the story starts on. Like it's a very mocking purple force that steals their children. But but when I say are there daddies, what I are they daddies, what I mean is are they hot? Oh, that's <laughs> very different. Oh. No, I mean I appreciate the rest of the information. Like that's also good to know. <laughs> Well, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but I can only safely say I would fuck three out of four. So I don't know <laughs> how that changes how you feel about them. And then the audience um, just gets Glenn, to decide who the last one is. Yeah, I mean, Devin, do you want to guess? You know how I feel about most of them. <laughs> oh, I know I know which ones you would fuck, and I'm just trying to not slander you and immediately be like, it's Jodie Foster, that's the one, Hans, no. <laughs> I said three out of four. I wasn't even counting Jody because who would ever consider a cop? Like disgusting. We have to count Jody. He's important, but he's he comes not. in halfway through the campaign. He's fake. <laughs> he is. He's important. You cannot like him. I that doesn't make him not important. I specifically <laughs> did not listen to like the first two episodes with him in it because I was just like, a cab. I can't do it. So I was very confused for a while there. But yeah, no, I can do whatever I want. I can willpower him out of the story if I need to. I mean, we don't. <laughs> It depends on how spoiler heavy we get, but Jodie Foster's an important character, man. But yeah, are, are the daddies hot? It depends. Mm -hmm. It's because the conceit of Dungeons and Daddies, much like the conceit of any good dating sim, is mashing some dumb things together. And the two dumb things they mash together were: what if dad archetypes were D and D archetypes? So you have the coach dad, you have the crunchy munchy granola dad, you have the shit rocker dad, you have the emotionally detached stepfather. And so, if any of those tickle your daddy fancy, you'll probably find them hot. Are any of those your type, Amber? Well, my type is women. Um... Oh, okay. <laughs> my bad. Um, there are mommies later on, if that helps. <laughs> that does. Deeply, deeper into the podcast. If you wait, you will be rewarded. I, I am into mommies. They do all die, though. 
You know what? I can. There's there's some undead mommies in the world I can get into. We need to talk about something okay. else. Um. Okay, my bad. <laughs> I can talk about Dungeons and Daddies for a second because just listening to it, I was like, okay, this is this is a fun little comedy role play podcast. I do love a real play podcast, but particularly from the first episode, it was intrinsically clear not just the character dynamics between the dads and the relationships with their sons and the ways they need to improve, but all of the ways in which, as a group, as a unit, as friends, how they were uniquely qualified to help each other. Who more qualified to help Daryl Wilson be emotionally available than a fucking emotional learning hippie dad? Who more qualified than Daryl, a by-the-numbers conservative coach dad, to help Henry enforce rules because Larkin Sparrow are two feral children who we meet punching a tree and not listening to their dad. So from one episode, you could in your brain connect the dots and see where it was going. And it made me think that this was going to be a better time than it was. And five episodes in, <laughs> I thought the show gets re- it's it's the Lords of Chaos part two. And it's OK, so I'm going to give a little bit of setup. But the Lords of Chaos are Henry Oaks boys, Larkin Sparrow, and they convince this town that this eldritch horror, the doodler, is this thing they want to summon, and they can do it if they fulfill this prophecy. And they convince the town to do it. And they're going to have the unique because you need to spill the blood of the unsung hero. And they're going to have everyone in the town jump in a pit because someone in the town has to be the unsung hero, right? And Larkin Sparrow, they can kill the doodler because Maslow's hierarchy of needs dictates that self-actualization is the highest one. And they want to self-actualize as the strongest boys in the world. And it's when Henry Oak looks at his boy and he, he's trying to talk him down from this tower. And he's like, you, you two are so powerful. Look what you've done. You've convinced an entire town to worship you and commit genocide. But that's that's not power. Uh, Observing force over us isn't power. Power is, is love. It's fear. It's vulnerability. It's the, the fear to throw yourself out there and to be rejected. And that's strength. And when he was saying all of that, another character, Beth, goes, Ron hears this from down the hallway and Ron is crying. And I went, me too. <laughs> five episodes in and i was like fuck this is an emotional podcast where you can seriously be emotionally invested in these characters who do and fucking tower of terry oh fuck i still tear up with that episode that's a great fucking episode i actually i made notes on that because like looking back because i like i forget a lot of things right so looking back i was like I wasn't sure if the purple force had a point or not, right? Like, are they, like, is they justifiably taking their kids? Um, and a little bit of spoilers, uh, it is not. It is doing it for its own power, right? But I thought about how each person handled, like, trying to reclaim their kids. And, uh, Henry and, uh, Ron actually did great, right? Like, Ron even gives up wearing pants forever, which is, like, a big thing. But then I remembered how Daryl did it, and he just lied to his kid the entire time. <laughs> and Glenn... We'll talk about it later. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. But, like, Glenn also was like, yeah, you can steal and do drugs and betray your friends. And all that was really cool until the betray your friends. And I was like, Glenn, you were so close. So I was like, very mixed bag on that one. <laughs> The moment Henry became my favorite is after Ron gives the big emotional speech about how, like, he he wanted to catch the fish so his dad would love him, but he never did it. And maybe family is just the people who love you. And Terry Jr., I love you, and I know what it feels like to have never got that, and it fucking sucks. And then the Purple Force takes Terry Jr., and Henry Oak does the classic D&D thing of your DM wants to give a big villain speech, and you tell him to fuck off. But Henry's like, oh, fuck off! tears of my eyes but he's not a bad dad i was like fuck yeah henry ron is not a bad dad you're correct yeah henry was pretty good in that one
emotional support dad. Henry's probably my favorite. Also really? On, yeah. Man, fucking, it, like, I thought it was Daryl, but then, like, the, the fucking beach episode, like, was my I will never forgive Daryl for refusing to give the money to these kids. <laughs> that was that was the breaking point. <laughs> when fucking, when Yeet Bigley and Killaton win fair and square, and Daryl's like, oh, no, I'm not going to give them the money. I was like, fuck you, Daryl. It was the exact feeling in Mass Effect 3. If you're, okay, hold on, fuck, if you're listening, and you played Mass Effect 3, and there's the, there's the bit where Shepard meets with that sniper who you have for almost the entire games, and you play around a quick shot with them, and there's the option, and it says take the shot, and it says, or it says, fluke it, like, fuck it up on purpose. And if you don't take fuck it up on purpose to let your friend have something in this moment of need, you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. You, <laughs> you're a bad person. <laughs> it was that exact feeling when Daryl, A, didn't throw the game for these kids, and B, tried to worm his way out of <laughs> the money. I was so fucking mad. Okay, see, like, yes, yeah, stealing from children is bad, but, like, personally, I thought it was going to be the point where he's like, no, the father, the founding father, the slave owners, they're good. We're keeping them in. <laughs> Not the ideal he version. Had a, he had a moment. That, he had a moment with that. <laughs> that was, that was the player, Will Campos, making a character decision, and then Anthony fucked him for it, and that's great DMing. <laughs> We could talk for fucking ever about Dungeons and Daddies and moments, but I think a thing to remember is that the successes and pitfallings of it are standard D&D things, and there's, like, several episodes where the forward momentum gets stopped by characters arguing. It's the most boring fucking thing in all of Dungeons and Dragons. I hate it. It makes my character want to walk away. But the literal what happens are secondary to how your characters react to what happened and the in-jokes you make with friends along the way. And that is the charm of listening to Dungeons and Daddies. Yeah, so like what I'm hearing is like like the distinction between making just like a Dungeons and Dragons OC and making a Dungeons and Daddies OC specifically is like A, fatherhood and sort of like failed fatherhood like like pivoting into a redemptive arc. B... C point A. Yeah, you yeah. are making a dad archetype who is in some way uniquely unqualified for fatherhood who will go on a quest to understand that bit about himself and his child. Okay. And then maybe confront his own dad. Great. So then I guess it's like, how sad and personal do we want to get on this episode? I talk about my dad on this podcast all the fucking time, so I'm going to point to you two. Um, it's your turn. It's your turns to get personal on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad could listen to this podcast, is the thing. Um, that could happen to me. Well, sorry, Amber. All of our dads can't be coarse. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. I forgive you. It's fine. My <laughs> It's fine. My dad isn't a corpse. He's ashes. I feel like my dad's just Daryl, but, like, ethnic version. Because, like, when I listened to Daryl, I was like, okay, so you're, like, materially supportive in every possible way. And you say things, but, like, emotionally, you're just, like, you're just, like, later. Later. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm thinking about dad archetypes that I know about. All right, I'm going to throw out an idea. Feel free. Hans is going to call me transphobic. I already know this. So I've got, you know... Uh, two of my favorite trans people here. Devin, you transphobic piece of shit. What if trans dad, because that's not a thing we see a lot of in media, 
Okay, is there more to it than just he's trans, or is that? <laughs> yeah. What... You see, this is why I knew. <laughs> uh, so... No, you wouldn't accept that from anyone else. You just say, "Here's a minority group, Dad." There you yeah, go. Well, <laughs> like, listen, no, there's got to be more. Okay, Did you have I'm, more plans? I'm, <laughs> I'm a Blizzard CEO, okay? <laughs> I have the diversity chart out right here, and I don't see a lot of trans people, and I need that number to go up. He's I thought tra- if you start there, maybe some ideas would sprout. <laughs> I don't. What, what's your fucking lived uh, experience, man? Bitch, I've never been a dad. <laughs> I, I'm not. What's his name? Seahorse, just like they named it, like Snowflake, and like the what was the other thing? Those terrible, terrible. Uh, it was. It was. Yeah, it was Trigger Warning and Snowflake. Jesus Christ! No, it was Safe Space. <laughs> what would a trans bad dad be uniquely bad at? That's why I'm asking you to. Well, I've I never been bad trans. at anything, nor a dad, so I don't I'm know I'm not what you trans, want nor do I play one on television. <laughs> that would be problematic. What about a dad that's, like, afraid to parent? Because he's, like, just really afraid. Well, that's basically Henry to mess it up. Okay, I'm going to talk about my daddy issues live on air, and then you're going to tell me if that feels like any of them already. Cool? Yeah? That's what I picked All this right. one. Great. So my, like, weird dad shit is, like, my dad like not that excited about having kids it was mostly his like wife's thing she really wanted the kids and he was like fine doing that for her um and then um after like a few years of those kids being around um she dies uh and suddenly he's got like this whole fucking house of kids that he doesn't know what to do with um and so he's like doing his best about it but like it's not like the thing that he signed up for um, and he's dealing with this whole fucking thing on top of it. Um, and so uh, he's not very good at kids. And he's like a single dad. And um, mostly he kind of just takes like a, as long as you're getting good grades and not getting anyone pregnant, you can do like whatever the fuck you want to do. And I don't have to be involved in it approach. And therefore the kids get good grades and don't get any girls pregnant. And so they get to like not interact for most of childhood is that sound is that is that like any of them no i think that's pretty unique okay great well what do we want to use from that what what parts of that sound like good dungeons and daddies material that we can just fully appropriate i like the single dad approach because none of well glenn's a single dad but like even though he doesn't show it is like really attached to nick because it's the only thing like he has left so but Glenn's also, like, very much... Because, like, Devin, correct me if I'm wrong, but Glenn's, like, very much an on-hand parent when he's there. He's just not good at doing parent things, right? I'm not sure I get the description you're saying. Like, like he does all the things, like, doesn't help him eat his vegetables or, like, do schoolwork or talk about his feelings. But, like, he wants to, like, do other dad activities, like, go to amusement parks. Yeah, Glenn's critical failing of fatherhood is he treats Nicholas like a friend and not a son, which is, you know, has its place and part of the things the other dads can help teach him. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm. Glenn is good at what he does, but the things he does do not encompass all of fatherhood. I like the approach of one of the dads who is kind of petrified of the idea of fatherhood and didn't really want the kid and now has it. I think that's a place. Yeah. If that's not there, it absolutely should be. That's a great. That's a great place to start. Yeah, kind of a reverse Ron. I feel like Ron and whatever this dad is would have a lot of something. A lot of a lot of sexual attention. Oh my god! (laughs) What he always takes his shirt off, or like Ron always loses pants. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, he you loses. Put them together, they he loses outfit. the ability to wear shirts. <laughs> it is like, what, two episodes in before uh, Daryl and Henry are just making out? <laughs> it's like one episode in before they bring out. Like, that's the first thing they do. Daryl makes out with the most people because he also makes out with Glenn. He does. No, he argues with Glenn. <laughs> yeah, they argue. And every time they go back and forth, they describe how much closer they're getting. And it ends and it's like, yeah, our, our tongues are in each other's mouth. <laughs> and Grant, who has a crush on a side character, Yeet Bigley goes, I want to argue <laughs> Bigley like that. And truly, that's the best way to end an argument. So, like, that was good parenting. Complex resolution. Devin, are you telling me there are homosexuals in this podcast? Reluctant ones. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, hot. Cool, good. But yeah, I will say, I think a thing to do with this dad is to kind of take them on the journey of like set up in the first episode. What's the relationship with their son look like? How do they find their son? How do they lose it? What do the Omega daddies say? And then what's the resolution to it at the end? I feel like that would be a good arc to fully round out with this character. Um, but where do we did start? Did you just say Omega Daddy? Sorry, did I miss something there? Did I miss... <laughs> oh, yeah. When Hans talked about the purple robe people, those are the Omega Daddies. They're the granddads. They're the fathers of the daddies. Okay, got it. So, like... Um... Yeah, just wanted to be clear that that was a <laughs> phrase that we're, that we're bandying about here. We just didn't want to let that one go. Again, because the world building is based off of a fucking yes and with a bunch of comedians. Uh, the magic that the Omega Daddies use is specifically daddy magic. No, of course. I That was what I was already assuming. Which works on all of us, we know. Very powerful. <laughs> okay, well, for at least getting his son back, he would, like... It would have to be, like, a challenge that, like, proves he really wants, like, his son back. Like... I don't know, like a test of like his will or something. I mean, I guess that's everybody, but... Okay, Amber, let me let me tickle your brain with Tiddly. this. Go. What class, because it is D&D, what class do you think our dad would be? We have a barbarian in Daryl, we have a druid in Henry, we have a rogue in Ron, and we have a bard in Glenn. So I have this immediate gut instinct to, to go with a uh, wizard and to do, say like, oh, it, it's the archetype of... The wizard whom is, like, too stuffy in his books and doesn't have time for his kid because he's busy doing important wizard learning. I almost think it's played out, and maybe I can do better. I'm going to hold. I'm gonna physically get my player's handbooks off of the wall. Hold on. Do you need us to vamp while you do that? Yeah, we're just going to vamp. So, guys, remember Payton? Yeah, giant zombie kid. Love him. God. That was <laughs> fucked like, up. Oh. <laughs> I love how you started being like, I will be light on spoilers. Then I'm like, Payton. And you're like, the part where he's a zombie at the end. Oh, well, shit. Well, you said you started like saying shit about Omega Daddy. So I figured it was all like valid. Also, oh, no, I'm fine. Maybe with he I'm... started as a zombie child. You don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, you do know. I'm fine with spoiling everything. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to be like, yeah, Payton. Payton's cute. He, he's a character who talks like this. And he's a scrawny nerd who absorbs his own piss. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh! I always felt always felt so bad for him when he like wet himself. And Willie was so mean to him. Also, so have you? Is, uh, yeah, go. You've listened to the Mountain of Dadness, where like Willie tortures <laughs> cats. <laughs> yeah, when you, when you meet when you when you meet Ron's uncle, I'm like, how did he raise Willie? This is a nice guy. And then yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, my my nephew he tortures cats, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my god, he has a tab at the local animal shelter. How do you even get- I mean, I believe anything would happen in the 1930s, but like, goddamn. No, you know what? Actually, this is a fun science fact. Uh, we used to do animal science terribly, but also brilliantly sometimes. For example, um, I believe it was beavers that we parachuted down into like some part of Minnesota <laughs> because we needed to get beavers there to repopulate, but like you can't drive them because this was back in the day and the cars were real hot and you couldn't fly, like just fly them in there because there's no place to land. So we just parachuted beavers like for a good while and it worked. Beavers, smart enough to parachute. So Amber, you're back with your books? Yeah, Um. so I kind of want to pitch you on Cleric. All right. I think there's something really interesting to me about a character who like has this really strong sense of devotion to um, a higher cause. And I think like, like the thing that feels interesting to me then is the sense of like this kid that he didn't ask for as a responsibility that he has, right? He has a higher calling and he has a responsibility to the kid, to the higher calling. And that doesn't necessarily like translate to like an emotional love for the child like 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 treating, i don't know i think i think the like treating the kid like an obligation a task to be solved right. as opposed to a person you need a relationship with right yeah and i i i think that there's there's something religious in there there's like a there there there's 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 an interesting parallel about like the ways that like we in our lives can handle faith and 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 the ways that that, that faith can be used as as an obligation or as a real like spiritual love and contentment and how easy it can be to slide into the first from the second. Um, I don't know. I think there's 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 ideas there for oh, me. This character slides in to have conversations with Daryl and Henry so fucking easy. Jesus Lord, I love it. You guys are really good at this. It's like we have a podcast where we do it every week. <laughs> Thank you. Take the compliment. I can't. Thank you. I had a we, shitty dad. I don't know how to take compliments. <laughs> <laughs> now that's another ca uh, characteristic of our dad. He cannot take compliments at all. Crippling self-esteem issues. Okay. So we have a we have a dad who doesn't... Oh, fucking... Oh, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I see it. I just... I see how they talk to Henry. I see how Glenn like hates the parenting style and can help like treat your oh god damn it i see it i i see it i see the writing <laughs> on the wall we should give them a name a religious name i don't know any of the religions that's a pretty good i was just gonna say dwight um but having an actual like meaning behind the name is probably better than that unless you want to name like uh krishna or something like that these are these are <laughs> the religious names i know going bible there's matthew mark luke Gabriel. I don't know enough about Bible studies to know who any of these characters are or what their stories mean or what it would mean to Me name neither. our characters them other than hey Bible reference. Yeah, that's what I thought I would get from you two trans lefties not knowing anything about Jesus. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. I'm not. Oh, fucking if we're doing biblical fathers, it's fucking Job, that big dumb piece of shit. 
You sucked, Job. Job. <laughs> you were an ass. <laughs> is he the one that almost killed his kid? You're th- I think you're thinking Abraham. Abraham is the one who, who uh, God is like, if you, if God, God very fucking abusively is like, if you love me, you'll kill your son. And Abraham is like, shit, I love God so much. I feel like he was also probably a bad dad. <laughs> most, well, most, <laughs> most Western fiction is just about bad dads. So yeah, the Bible has like no good fathers. We're contributing to the great Western canon of fiction by making an OC who is also a bad dad. Um, we're, you know, we're treading in the in the in the footsteps of the Bible here. <laughs> that's that's of all the greats who had daddy issues. That's Tesla. Usually, I have to think about what I put for the show notes, but thank you, Amber. I'm just putting we're treading in the footsteps of the Bible in quotes. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're fucking welcome. So yeah, Daddy Job. <laughs> I hate it. Um, <laughs> no. no, it's good. Uh, uh, do we do we want to come up with like? I feel like I want a little bit more of a reason. Like he ended up with this kid who he doesn't like have a strong emotional connection to. In my version of the story, like in my real life, it's because he had a wife who died. In this case, I kind of am leaning towards not doing literally just a reproduction of my actual father. Like I kind of think our our de- like Job had a kid with this woman when he was like really like way too young for it and wasn't ready for it and then the like the the relationship that he was in fell apart and he ended up with the kid does that sound no that makes sense single dad in the sense of most of the time that is you have the kid on the weekends but with this one job has the kid for the weekdays and the wife has the kid on the weekends I'm nodding. What's the kid like? Yeah, how much do we need to know that? That's important. Knowing what the kid is like is important. I think he's an older one. I'm like, not like Lark Sparrow age, but like closer to like Terry or something. Yeah, closer to Terry Jr. in age. Really, really understands that there's some fucked shit going on. Oh, poor poor Terry Jr. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Terry Jr. really watched his dad die twice. (laughs) And then got Ron. Was like, <laughs> and then Ron said, who's yeah. your daddy now? <laughs> so many times. No, he had to watch it three times. Because remember, he watched it in Ron's memory. And that's when he found out what Ron said when Ron killed his vampire dad. <laughs> Nothing like an instant replay of your loved ones dying. You know? Oh, that poor kid. Like... <laughs> but yeah, Job's kid. Um, Denise. Just throwing out a name. I'm fine with Denise. I don't have any problems with Denise. Denise is as good as any other name in the world. All right, sick. What would having a dad who... Let's try to get away from just a one... <laughs> one-to-one recreation of Amber's life. You've given a lot for this uh-huh. episode. What personality would be installed by an upbringing like this? Hmm. Maybe, like... I think... Yeah, go on. Oh, I was gonna say, like, maybe one of them, like, straight-laced kids, like, to the face of their dad, but, like, is actually, like, feral, like, when his back is turned. I was thinking that Denise, because we don't, not not enough time is spent just with the kids hanging out, because one DM, but whatever. But I think Denise is the most friendly, like, gets in the back of the van and is, like, talking to all the, like, wants these kids to be, like, we're not just the soccer team, you're my friends. Aww. I want a relationship with someone because my dad's No! Yeah, that makes sense. But oh my god. <laughs> the sweet kid who wants friends. Is he effective? 
of making friends, are they? I would say yeah. I would feel like they would have to get good at it. Yeah, they're personable. I was going to say, I think on that first episode, on the introductory episode, when we meet, it's like Joe being like, yeah, so I packed all the lunches and they have X amount of calories and your caloric intake is all you need for the thing. Cheer up, sport. But like none of this is my favorite food. It's all tastes bland. He's like, but it has all the nutritional value. And this book says that's all kids need. Let's get in that car. And they get in the car. That's classic. That's classic. That's a classic. That's brilliant. What else? I feel like usually I say, usually we want to come up with like a wardrobe, but like as a podcast, how much do they have established looks? Well, Ron doesn't wear pants. Okay. It's, um, they get, you know, light descriptions. Like when you do an episode zero of a and d campaign, you say this is kind of the vibe. Sure. Um, but there is fan, there is official cover art. So they all have a look. And so whenever anyone does fan art, it generally is within that vein. Sure. So Daryl Wilson, because he let... Lo- because he loves soccer, trying to connect with his son on um, something that isn't Fortnite. He's in a green polo, and he's got the dad hat. Henry Oak rocks Birkenstocks. He's a Birkenstock rocking country, grunchy, grunchy, Kohler dad. Ron Stampler is a businessman, so suit and tie, no pants, because he gets cursed. Glenn Coase, uh, the leather jacket and the red shirt. And Jodie Foster is a highway patrol cop, so that outfit. See, I think we, we do talk about outfit, general look. They're all just their archetype. So did we decide what, what he does, like, for work, Job? Okay, the stupid question. Is a cleric, like, a priest? Like, is he, like, a priest in day-to-day life? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a cleric is, is a priest, yeah. Um, a, a, a clergyman of some kind. The C, that makes sense. That is almost the exact same word. I should have seen that one coming. So, yeah, maybe he's, like, a pastor. Does it have to be Christianity? Ooh, okay. Can I can I gently persuade yeah. us towards... Yeah, please make it not. <laughs> what if they're a rabbi? Yeah, like it, we could do something rabbinic or no, I have I have no fucking idea of what like like no, Judaism is like the main religion that I know things about at this point of uh other than Christianity. I know nothing about Hinduism because my dad specifically did not let my madre convert so she could teach us because he's like I don't trust people who convert or like how does that make any sense? And he's like, don't worry about it. He just didn't want to teach her about it. <laughs> but that was his reasoning. To not super get into the weeds of it, but I think a little bit of, ooh, dramatic irony is that if rabbi, right? You're a very personable person. Your your flock, your congregation, they like you. There's someone you want to talk to. So I think Job is very personable with the other kids, who come to church on the sunday but just doesn't doesn't get it with denise is it like a thing where he like remembers their favorite foods or like their favorite stories because like he sees it as part of his job but he doesn't with his kid because it's like you're just my kid oh yeah i like that i like that yeah yeah the thing you just said that again (laughs) brilliant breaking this poor boy's heart oh my goodness I mean, do we, do we, that feels pretty close to a character. Do we want to, do we feel ready for the one, one fun fact apiece? I kind of wanted a general vibe and also maybe we don't have to do like the full arc of things, but I think, I think it is important for Dungeons and Daddy specifically of that first get your kid back scene. What does that sure, look like? Yeah. I feel like he's not, pro- he's probably going to be like more in the uh, Glenn Daryl 
type of, uh, you tried, but you didn't do great at this type of thing. I think, because it's Dungeons and Dragons, so it is the gamification of relationships, but with the Terry Jr. thing specifically, Anthony was like, okay, you're going to talk, and there is X number of chances, and if by the end of it you win, like you, you say enough good things, Terry will listen to you. I think it's that, but it's just, Denise, through some circumstances, like, what are things you remember about me? <gasps> like a Jeopardy game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, it is, it's literally just fucking Jeopardy. That's fucking... It's Scam it Likely because... <laughs> playing Jeopardy around with his kid. <laughs> because one of the players goes, oh, so this is like fucking Jeopardy, and Anthony goes, fuck it, fuck it, it's Jeopardy, we're doing Jeopardy today. <laughs> And they and they get the fans to like fucking correspond and like they have the notes and it's like ooh in episode two Denise said that her least favorite show was what oh my goodness yeah and then he can call a friend like call like one of the kids like hey do you know anything about my fucking kid because like, yeah, I don't phone. yeah call a friend and he's like hey uh, Terry Junior you 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 talk to Denise right what you talk about TV shows ever. Oh my God. I no. only recommend they watch PBS because it's education. Mm -hmm. Or like the classic dad, like how old is Denise? And you're like, ah! Because <laughs> my dad literally never knows how old we are. <laughs> but this is, this, so this is supposed to be a scene where he like, he gets it, right? He, he, he gets her back by like, he succeeds at the, 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 the challenge here, right? Yes. But then the Omega daddy still steals her kid away because fuck you. Sure. Boy. Um, uh, but then I, like, we've, we've, we've written ourselves a golden check here. Like, we get to come up with what the thing is, unexpectedly, that he does remember about her. What if the wild card, it lands on, like, it just says, like, art or something, and Denise is like, what's the first poem I've ever written? And then Job just says it. Like, he knows it verbatim. He Aww. just has it off the top of his head. Wait, that's so sweet because like the rabbis like they like have to remember stuff right like in regular sight things that's perfect he remembers her work that's so cute and then that's great because then the poem gets to like have uh, thematic significance to whatever else is going on in the story as well yeah it can tie into whatever her art going on is yeah yeah okay well now i feel pretty good that's very cute I can't wait for the comeback to this episode when we get to discuss Jed's relationship with his... I can't wait to see what his Omega Daddy looks like. But yeah, so do we all have a sense of general vibe or are we going into one fun fact I feel piece? ready for a fun fact apiece. Alright. So yeah, we're, we're ending our episode how they start an episode, which is one fun dad fact apiece. I think he's... For Job to be how he is, he probably had a little bit of also people not paying attention to how he was. Like, maybe he wanted to do something and, like, was not allowed. So, like, I think, like, he was a little bit of an artist. Like, he's always doodling, like, in the margins of his work enough. Because he wanted to do art, but, like, he was never, like, felt comfortable enough or, like, just, like, affirmed enough in his art to do it. So he's, like, just doodling constantly. It's cute. It's a really well thought out one. Okay, I think I have a fun fact. Going with a meta one. I think... Whoever plays Job is not Jewish, so is constantly like well, on the recording being like, I don't know if I'm allowed to make this joke. 
Anthony deciding every time if he wants to be like like xenophobic to Freddy's characters. He's like, am I allowed to do this? <laughs> Yeah, every, every every scene in the mountains of Tadness where Anthony's like, you want to be racist with this accent, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I think that Job, like, still thinks and talks about, like, like slightly vintage technology. Like, he will still say, I need to fax this over. I don't know, the guy just still is into fax dad. machines. Um, he's still, he's <laughs> like, he's really excited about that car phone that, like, doesn't seem to matter anymore to anyone else. Um, <laughs> But but he's just really excited about the idea of having a car phone. I actually, I have another fun fact, and this is somewhat to get them away from your dad, and a secondary one. There was never a scene where they did the most dad shit ever, where if you ever get four dads in a room at someone else's house, they will go to the backyard and be like, wow, this is, oh, look at all this, look at all this space, oh my god. <laughs> Job fucking loves lawn care is super into having a pristine freshly mowed lawn that smells good and all that dumb shit that's very dad that's very dad indeed and that ladies and gentlemen and those of non-specific genders is a character brilliant all right uh and and that um all the same aforementioned um was a podcast about a podcast um, uh, a totally, a totally normal and sufferable thing to do. And podcasts end when they have guest hosts by going, "Hey, man, do you want to plug your pluggables?" Yeah. Sure, I have um a website. It's called the Library, and you can get many things for free, especially eBooks, um, and documentaries. Do I have to like read the link out loud or something, or like uh, can I just send it, that to you? No, nah, if fine. you want people to find <laughs> it, it will help too. Um. We'll put it in the show notes if you remind me to do that. Brilliant. Got you, got you. Um, my name has been Amber Autumn, she, her. And I've been Prince Devin, the least daddy of them all. That's true. We call him that often, many times a day. I'm like, Devin, I don't think of you at all as a daddy. Devin, I think of you as a son. <laughs> <laughs> Please, feel free to join us next week when Devin, rube that he is, will try to get us to talk about professional wrestling. But instead, we are going to do an episode about Death Note. <laughs> and much like I could have used every episode of this podcast's fun fact at the end as an excuse to just say this character is into wrestling and then just talk about wrestling for a minute, I will not do that. But I will do everything within my power to monetize our friendship. And that is the catchphrase at the end. Yay!